0: GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. GDIY has partnered with the Bird Dog Society to do monthly bonus check-ins to discuss and announce any news and events that may be of interest for any and all bird dog owners and trainers. There are a lot of factors that impact us as we try to train, hunt, and just live with our dogs. So it is important to recognize the resources we utilize are maintained, improved, and people actually know about them. Please check out the links in the show notes that can direct you where to get involved and show your support. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another Bird Dog Society update presented by Standing Some Supply. Joined with me is my buddy, Jim Burris. Jim, how you doing, man? Doing
1: great. How are you, Nick?
0: I live in the dream as always. I can't complain and... Man, it's it's that weird time of year to where we're recording this is like at the end of May, early June. It it's it's hard to believe that we're already a halfway through the year and then conversely by extension, hunting season is like 3 months away. I mean, it's ridiculous how close and how fast it went by.
1: Yeah, I'd imagine right now your uh, li- your your dreams that you're living are all about uh, this fall. So um, it is. I'm I'm
0: really picking up the pace on trying to figure out where I'm going and what I'm chasing. What about you? Are Are you already kind of planning your trips out? I know we've had a few uh, texts back and forth. Or is your calendar filling up yet?
1: Uh, well, month there in September we're going to do the the trip to Colorado for the ptarmigan and bluegrass. So yep. that's going to be really cool. I got to I gotta lose a few pounds before I head out that way.
0: <laughs> Those mountains uh, are a little, but... <laughs> li- little evil out there, from my uh, understanding. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then uh, come back for a few weeks and uh, have have the bird dog society workshop there in September. Um, and then once that's uh, once the requirements for that are done, then I'm gonna head out to South Dakota and chase some sharp tails and some uh, prairie chickens. Um, then uh, in November, I'm gonna go do a little bit of grouse hunting up in west virginia along with some uh deer and, and bear hunting um, yeah. so it's kind of a mixed bag trip yeah. and then uh of course we have uh our woodcock season that comes in here in december and, and so those are kind of the the big you know, dates that i'm looking for in yeah. about every month so um
0: well but. so what 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 kind of guy are you when you start planning your trips are you kind of uh I, I know what I get here. I've been there, done that. I like going back to a place I've been, or do you like chasing new, new birds and new places or kind of a mixture of both, I guess?
1: Well, I, th- I would say I'm a mixture of both. Um, I definitely like to uh, chase new birds and new places, um, but I kind of like to uh, have a rotation where I get four or five good places. And then, you know, every four or five years, you just kind of rotate around. Yeah. Uh, that you know, it gives you a good mix of birds and stuff like that. And, Uh, Last year, we hunted the um, national grasslands out in South Dakota, which was really great. But unfortunately, my dog, uh, Manu, got a leg injury literally the day before we were set to leave. Um, And so he was on painkillers and anti-inflammatories the whole week. He was in South Dakota and then his leg finally got a little bit better there toward the end of the week i got him out of the truck on the last day of that we were there hunting and he got hit in the face by a skunk <laughs> literally within an hour of uh, getting out of the truck um so he had a really rough week and he never got a bird in his mouth the whole week because of you know all the circumstances going on and so um i'm heading back to south dakota uh this year is more of a revenge for manu um because i really want to uh shoot uh prairie chicken over uh one of his points because that's a bird that you know he still has on his list i kind of keep a list of my own and and a list for my bird dogs um <laughs> yeah so but we were really i was originally planning on going to the big horn mountains out in uh, wyoming this year but i think uh, i'm gonna push that back till uh till next year
0: so. yeah yeah i'm a chucker chasing i'm assuming
1: uh really kind of um out there, well, of course you got chucker, uh, but uh, if you go to the west of the mountains, you got sage grouse. Uh, so if you go in September, uh, you got blue grouse, you got sharp tails you got you know pheasant. Yeah, you know, there's a uh, you got huns out there too. So I mean, there's just a lot of diversity that you can get uh, in the big horns, um, blue grouse and uh, rough grouse. And,
0: yeah. So. Well, and like you said, you know we're we're headed to Colorado in mid-September. Then, you know, that's man. I don't I don't know what the heck to expect out of that because I know very little about blue grouse and ptarmigan. But it'll be fun checking something new. But I'm trying to figure out where I'm going after that. And I've been been kind of knocking around the idea of Wyoming myself, shooting up north, maybe go back to Montana or something like that. But you know me, man. It's 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 hard for me to do something that i did last year even the two years before i'm i'm always wondering what else is out there and uh i really i really think if i was able to just focus in on something that i really particularly enjoyed i would be a much better hunter but uh it's just too hard for me to do that right now there's too many birds to chase too too much new ground to cover
1: Well, I think with hunting, it's all problem solving. You got to figure out, you know, how you need to approach the bird and how how the dog needs to handle stuff. So the more diversity you throw in there, you become a better hunter. And, you know, eventually you're going to start coming back around the places you've been before. And. You know, all that experience is going to culminate into, you know, a better, better hunter. So. Exactly.
0: And that's what I'm hoping, man. Whether that's, that's what I keep telling myself is by the end of all <laughs> this, when it's time to settle down, I'll be a better mm-hmm. hunter. And I tell everybody I'm a generalist, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Uh. Uh, but there's a time and a place for a specialist, you know, the... Seems like every single year I I do end back up in the Northwoods at some point chasing rough grouse. You know that's kind of the the staple or the commonality between all my seasons is at some point I'm up there. So I'm I'm assuming that that's probably going to be what I specialize in, quote unquote, in the future. But for right now, man, it's just what's over the what's around the corner. Let's go over that mountain and see what's over there.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 more of an opportunist. If it's around it, I can hunt it, and Manu likes to hunt it, then we're gonna. We're gonna go after it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. Well, what are you getting um, uh, getting into right now? Getting my, my new prepared? Are you just keeping them in shape? Are you working towards something? Are you have any tests coming up this year? What?
1: Well, no, I uh, I haven't scheduled them for any tests. Uh, we we may run UT this fall. I'm not sure. Um, fall tests are kind of you know, for for me kind of a, a secondary, just because I'm usually so focused on hunting um but right now he's just keeping manu primed and um uh getting making sure he's in in good condition for hunting season uh the one thing i was working on him with him was um you know kind of patience whenever he can see the bird um uh, yeah. because he would have a tendency to kind of creep or even bust uh point if he can see the bird especially if you got one of those birds that was there just you know taunting him or something like that so i've been working with him a little bit on that um. and and he was all already a, a pretty steady dog, so it didn't take a whole lot of work. But I uh, uh, had him out the other day and did a little bit of pigeon work and stuff with him, and um and just kind of worked on that. Um, stop the flush and stop the shot, and and uh, steadiness in the sight of the birds and stuff like that. And he did uh, really well, so I'm I'm kind of. Optimistic that you know this year is going to be a good year, and and uh, especially on those snipe, you know, <laughs> whenever uh, they start popping up, it's good to have a steady dog so you don't have to worry about the dog chasing after birds, and then you get m- more shot opportunities and stuff when you have a dog yeah. steady through wing shot falls. So,
0: dude, you, um, you, 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 I don't know, you may or may not be surprised at how often I get asked about snipe now. Uh, fr- from the po- <laughs> it, it, it comes out quite quite a bit and and it's mostly people that live in areas that don't have the typical bird opportunities as we've talked about uh, numerous times but what? let me ask you what what are you doing like what's your process or thought process or setup for working manure on sighted birds you know are you are you just walking them into it and, and real quick on the woe or are you giving them the opportunity to develop or are you woeing them and then getting the bird out in front of them like you know walk me through because that's that's a setup that a lot of people, you know, want to work on, but they're they're kind of unclear on how to set it up to where it's kind of a, a real authentic hunting scenario, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so it can be a little bit of a, a challenge. Um, but, you know, one thing that I was thinking a lot of times in the test, you know, you have planted birds and those birds get up, start walking around and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of times, if, particularly with a, a younger dog or a dog that has a lot of drive, then, you know, that can kind of... Uh, get them all um, wound up and, and start to break and stuff like that. So not only for a hunting point, um, you know, from a testing aspect, it's, it's good. Um, but one, a few things that I've been doing is uh, you can take a winged uh, bird and put it in a launcher. Then when they go on point, you can actually launch it. And then uh, you, you don't shoot the bird, but let the bird get, get back down on the ground and then make them stay steady throughout that whole process. Um, another thing is uh place boards. So, um, you can use a place board or, or no place board. You can just give them a woe command. And, you know, the other day I literally was setting out pigeons and they were walking around right in front of them, you know, within a few feet. And that's just to teach them, you know, that, you know, in the presence of a bird, you still have to stay, you know, mentally um, sharp and, and and under control. Um, and so those are a few things that I've been working on him with. And he's been doing really good with that. Um, you know, because if you think about it, there's, whenever a dog learns whoa, there's all kinds of different, Things that you know constitute a, a command. Say, hey, um, you know, we don't Manu and I don't use woe, We use we use stay just because that's the easiest word you <laughs> know for my, the rest of my family to to use. But um, regardless, you know, when a bird gets up, you know that's a command whoa. When a gun gets shot, that's a command whoa. You know, when when you say woe, that's a command woe. I have a whistle command for whoa. So there's all these different commands that you know in a hunting setting will mean stop and stay there until you're released. And, uh, and I think that, uh, you know, whenever you have a dog that, you know, has all these commands, it's, uh, particularly if you're hunting wild birds that like to popcorn flush or come out low and fast, you know, it's, it's important, um, from a safety standpoint, uh, but also you get more shot opportunities, uh, whenever you have a, a dog that's steady and then understands, Hey, whenever I hear a shot, I need to stop. Or whenever I hear the wings, you know, a flush, I need to stop. Or whenever I see a bird, I need to stop. And, yeah. You know, so yeah. all those are essentially commands, and and so they need exposure to to each of them. So
0: yeah, and and I mean, it, it goes it goes beyond just testing. You know, the, it's probably the most common in a testing scenario. Especially you go to a place like the Invitational where there's so many birds running around. It's like by the end of the trip, you know, you hear people just like, man, they're just running all over the place like rats. Uh, I have seen it in a, in a actual hunting scenarios, not very often. You know, they're wild birds. Usually when they get up, they're, they're going. But uh, one bird, one grouse in particular up in Maine, I can – I still think of to where it was just it, – it's like it never even knew what a dog or a human was and it bowed up on me and was just – I mean just – talking trash to me and and I had Rachel on the ground which you you've been on the ground with Rachel to where she's been it been through it she's seen it she's done it whatever uh she just sat there and held and it took me forever to get that bird to even flush and shoot so it's like you take a dog that can't can't take the the sight of a bird picture like that then more than likely they're busting it and you're not getting the opportunity. If I, I think if Lucy was on the ground, more than likely she would have ripped it and I wouldn't have gotten the shot off on it, but that bird was also an idiot too. It was, it was literally just <laughs> looking at me just fly. I mean, Harold was like, "Are you, what are you going to do?" I'm like, I, "I don't know. I can't get it to fly. I literally <laughs> had to almost punt that thing to to get it to fly, which is not the norm, but uh but yeah, man, it's uh we we could sit here and talk training and, and dogs all, all we want let's let's go ahead and get into the update and and what news and and all the new happenings that you've guys kind of have going on over at bird dog society what what's happened what's what's good what's coming down the pipe all that fun stuff
1: yeah um so a few things uh you know we're really starting to kind of um look forward to the next uh year two years down the road and get things on the calendar um our first year so far has been really successful and we still got a few um, exciting things coming down the pipeline for this year. But you know, we're starting to get webinars scheduled for 2024 and we're starting to uh, think about events even all the way out to 2025. Um, we're starting to, to fill out as far as an organization. Uh, we just recently approved a new North Carolina and Georgia ambassador for our ambassador program. So we're going to be getting them plugged in um, and hopefully um, get, the ambassador program you know kind of uh running um smoothly and they can help us with a lot of the kind of local events and um organizing things and um talking with people on the ground and stuff like that to you know figure out how the bird dog society can best um serve bird dogs and their owners uh, webinars uh we, we're adding we're going to be adding those to the website here soon we got a A couple confirmed for 2024. We're still looking to add another one for 2023. Uh, We have a shed hunt one coming up in in February, and then we're going to be doing a blue-green algae uh, webinar next uh, summer as well. Uh, So those are a couple of the confirmed ones. We have a few others that we're working on that aren't confirmed yet. Um, But then one of the things we're most excited about is a workshop that we have coming up in September. Um, It's going to be... September 30th uh, at the Hoffman Field Trial Grounds, which is on the S- Sandhills Game Lands here in North Carolina. Um, it's going to be a full-day instructional uh, workshop. Uh, we have uh, three instructors um, talking about quail hunting, woodcock hunting, and waterfowl hunting. Um, that's That'll include Grayson Geyer, which you just had on a few weeks ago. Yeah, uh, He'll be the woodcock expert. Uh, we have Wes Everman, who'll be talking about quail hunting. And Garrett Frey, who will be talking about uh, waterfowl hunting. You know, these are some of the most prolific hunters in, that we have in North Carolina, so they'll be speaking. And we're also um, partnering with North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission, and they'll be uh, they'll have someone there that'll be talking about the public lands that you can actually go hunt. You know, so we're going to teach you how to hunt, and he's going to show you where you can actually go and hunt. Some of the regulations and some of the public resources that the North Carolina we- Wildlife Resources Commission offers. And also through that partnership, we're going to be adding a uh, we're, we're trying to get a second day um, added onto the workshop. It's not going to be immediately after, uh, but it'll be at the uh, Hunter Education Complex here in uh, Everly, North Carolina, where once we teach you how to hunt, you know, what what's the next thing that you need to learn how to do? If you can find that bird, then you need to know how to shoot that bird. Uh, I was uh, about to say, so, cook it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you got to put you got to put the shooting before yep. the cooking. So, uh, step um, two.
0: I went for I uh, went to step three automatically.
1: <laughs> um, so we're we're adding on a, a second day, um, and this is uh, through partnership with uh, NCWRC uh, to where we actually uh, take people out and uh, introduce them to shooting sporting clays uh, ammo. Guns provided uh, and lessons on how to shoot uh, will be a a part of that as well. Um, So, you know, if you do part one, which is the instructional part on the hunting, uh, then part two is kind of a natural transition. um, And that'll be uh, in October. Um, And and that'll be paired with the the workshop that we have uh, going on in September. So we're really excited about that. Um, And, you know, we're also excited about the continued um, relationship that we're uh, getting built with the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission.
0: Yeah. Uh, And correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, the the long vision of this, hopefully we get to the point to where it's not just the North Carolina Game and Fish Commission that you guys have this with, but kind of those agencies within every state to where you can guys start doing stuff like these workshops And and really informative stuff to where, hey, you may not know what to hunt or how to hunt it, but that's what we're going to teach you as well as where to go, as well as how to shoot safely. That's pretty much what Bird Dog Society is about, is trying to teach the average handler how to actually get the most out of their bird dogs and take them in cool places and do fun stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I've always said, you know, we got to do a good job here in North Carolina before we can expect to do a good job elsewhere. Yeah. Um, So that's why, you know, there's a lot of focus right now on on getting these events and programs on the ground here in North Carolina. Because once we figure out how to make them successful here, it'll be a lot easier to um, transition them into other states. Um, And something else we're doing is trying to build a virtual library of videos. Um, So all of our webinars are are recorded and provided online for uh, Bird Dog Society members. Um, So if they miss the live offering for the webinars, they can go online and log in with their member credentials and watch any of our webinars uh, on demand as many times as they want. Uh, But we're also getting a videographer um, to record all of our workshop and that'll also be included in the video uh, archive that we are building so I mean, by the end of the year we expect to have 16 17 hours worth of instructional content uh available online
0: yeah buddy because we needed more stuff to take our attention on and put it back on bird dog <laughs> stuff right
1: <laughs> yeah so um and so we're hoping that that's a great resource when people you know just need uh questions answered and stuff like that it'll be um you know a whole library where you can actually see videos and pictures and contents and see what kind of questions other people are asking and get answers from experts um and, uh, something else we're starting to put together, uh, which we're excited, really excited about is we're starting to get the details put together for a bird dog trauma clinic. Um, and the first offering for that is going to be, uh, next year. And we're looking at the Richmond, Virginia area for that. So we're starting to expand out, uh, into other States a little bit. Uh, but that'll be kind of talking about how to treat, uh, traumatic injuries, you know, to where you can maybe stabilize your dog to get them to a vet, uh, maybe save their lives, um, You know, if God forbid there be some kind of uh, large fall from a a cliff or a gunshot injury or some kind of um, uh, stick uh, impelling your dog or or anything injuries like that, you know, a lot of people carry a a basic first aid kit with them. But, you know, do they have the skills and and things necessary to get their dog out of the woods and get them to the vet and potentially save their life? Um, So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, And then um, snake bites and uh, traps are also a big one um uh, people you know get their dog in a con of bear or a, a snare uh if they've never encountered that before they may not even know if t- the tools they have are capable of cutting through a snare or they may not have the tools to release a of bear from a dog's throat yeah. um so those are also life-saving skills so it'll be a a, a trauma clinic that you know it, essentially if you think about it is it a clinic to make sure that you have those tools to save your dog's life if if a problem does come up.
0: Yeah, and and more importantly, how to use those tools. Because I have the tools in my vest, and and I, I go educate myself every so often, and you know at least once a year I'm doing that because if you don't use it, you lose it. And it's like right now mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm due for a refresher on a lot of the stuff in my first aid kit. You know, I have it. I have all the stuff that we preach about having, but. If you don't, if you don't read on it, if you don't look at it, you don't practice with it. It doesn't matter if you did a clinic, you know, the, in the last year or two. I guarantee you, you've forgotten mm-hmm. key details and steps and and how to use this stuff. You know, it's uh, that that's a class that never gets old. And even if you've attended one in the past, go to another one. You know, this isn't training per se of how you know. Well, go learn how to train your dog to do another thing. I mean, that's important and cool and fun in of itself, but. The first aid stuff, I don't think that you can ever get enough knowledge to really be able to ha- be prepared for everything that can happen in the field with these dogs.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, it, theres it's so variable what can happen to these dogs. Um, so to be prepared for everything is, um, is not necessarily possible. Um, but there's also um, education that you can do to make sure that what you do have is going to be usable whenever the time comes. Yeah. Um, you know, for one example, you know, you think about snares and conibears, you know, like we were just talking about, uh, you know, you get a dog and puts his head in a five gallon bucket that has a three thirty conibear on it. You know, you're, you may be talking, you know, you got to get that dog out of there within minutes. And there also may be traumatic injury to that dog's windpipe. You yeah. Know, so how do you address that? What's the best way to triage that and get your dog out of there? Um, and then snares, you know, people, you know, think that they can easily cut through a snare with a pair of, um. Uh, with a multi-tool and it may be possible to cut through it with a multi-tool but a lot of the ones that i've owned you're not going to cut through it with a snare and then if you have a dog that struggles on a snare that snare is going to be so tight on the neck you may not be able to get the cutters under the cable in order to cut it yeah Um, so there's certain types of cutters um, that will work uh, to free a dog from the snare and others it won't Um, and so snare you have a little bit more time uh, than a large conibear but you know, still your snare is designed to kill game um, quickly and ethically. Yeah. Um, So you still don't have a whole lot of time. Um, And one, one great thing that you can do about snares, though, if they're in your area, um, a dog that's used to uh, walking on leash without pulling or um, used to be on a tie out stake. A lot of times they feel that tension on their neck and they won't pull against the snare. So that's one, one reason why, you know, um, if you have tie out stakes and your dog just doesn't like them, uh, but you hunt in an area that has trapping and snares and stuff like that, you know, put them on that tie out stake and let them get used to that uh, tension on their neck. So they understand that they can't get away. And cause a snare is going to be kind of the same thing. And with a snare, the harder they pull, the tighter it'll get and uh, yeah. quicker it'll become a problem.
0: Now that's, that's a very good point. One that I honestly can't, can't recall hearing or or knowing of myself. And then to your point, the the multi-tools. I mean, how many hunters are you aware of that that multi-tool is not only their emergency first aid or their trap you know, tool to, to release that, but also that's what they use to clean fish, clean birds. Uh, It's, you know, they open it up and it's just like, man, you hadn't cleaned that joker in forever. And all of a sudden it's rusty and stuff. So, I mean, most of the multi-tools out there aren't capable of, of cutting through a snare or anything like that. Then just how rusty and old they are. It might have a lot of sentimental value. You've been hunting with for 30, 40 years, but there's a reason why I have wire cutters in my pack in addition to my multi-tool uh but you know that's all stuff that you'll go over on the workshop do you know who's going to be running that is that mark up there in virginia i'm assuming
1: uh so actually uh jay brecky um okay he's going to be flying over here and uh, he'll be a big part of it and um you know, I'm sure we'll have other people involved, but we don't have those people lined up yet. Um, but Jay will be one of our points of contact for, for the uh, trauma clinic.
0: Good deal. And everybody that hears that name. Stay tuned. You'll be hearing more from him here soon on the GDIY podcast. <laughs> uh, Jim, is there anything else? It sounds like, man, y'all are stretching out. Y'all are already kind of going, going for the fences here in 2025 and events like that, which is good. You know, you can't can't do a an organization like this without long term plans. What else is there to talk about today?
1: Well, i think that's it for today There's a few other things that uh you know once confirmed that uh, i think will be uh um, very exciting for the future um you know some of those events in 2025 you know that we're looking at you you know, take multiple years to plan um so we're definitely thinking long road and um you know big impact with the bird dog society so um we can definitely use people's support uh, if they haven't signed up for membership definitely go to bird get us a membership everything uh that you uh, donate and contribute definitely um is a uh, is really needed and, and appreciated so
0: yeah and as always the links are down in the show notes jim i enjoyed catching up with you talking a little bit of training and and you know we're we have an eye towards the hunting season already but uh always fun to check in when, with you and hear what you guys have going on over at the society uh i'm I guess I don't know if it's you or somebody else next month, but I'm sure we'll be back and and figure out what other crazy things you've had added onto the schedule because you you guys don't stay uh, dormant for too long. Y'all stay a little busy over there.
1: Well, we got to keep the momentum going. That's the only way we're going to grow and and get better and have an impact. So for
0: sure. Exactly. Well, appreciate your time, guys. If you're interested, hit the link in the uh, show notes, at least sign up. If you're interested in becoming an ambassador, reach out by all means. And we appreciate you checking in.
1: Thanks, Nick. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting.